0: Welcome to Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations, where we help people create their lives rather than find them. There are no admission fees, only the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. And if you possess a few pixie dust sprinkles of each one of those, you're welcome here. If you're welcome nowhere else, you always have a seat here. And as always, I'm Jim Ellermeyer, a behavioral health therapist, and as usually advertised, we offer an eclectic roster of guests, particularly focusing on individuals with recovery stories. And remember, my friends, everybody's in recovery from something. And today we welcome back uh, one of our guests from the past, one of our favorite people, uh, Miss Katie. Miss Katie, uh, tell us how you feel about being here yet again.
1: <laughs> I love it. I missed you. I haven't <laughs> seen you and it feels like forever.
0: <laughs> well, it's been a bit. We've all uh, had a period of enforced isolation and (laughs) staying away from each other. So could you give for folks who uh, haven't viewed the previous podcast that uh, you were on, and shame on you if you haven't, (laughs) uh, could you give us a a recap of Katie?
1: Uh, So my previous visit with you, I was in the midst of, I think, oh gosh, I was still going through treatment uh, for breast cancer. Uh, I was diagnosed with stage 2B breast cancer In um, on Christmas Eve of 2019. So right before everything kind of went south. And um, so that was that was quite the challenge of going through treatment uh, all while we're dealing with the coronavirus and figuring out what that whole thing looked like. So it was a little extra challenging for me. And we talked about, you know, how my recovery was going. And, uh, but now I am, I consider no evidence of disease, which means that, uh, with my particular type of breast cancer, there's nothing showing up on scans. Um, I've gone through the whole chemo radiation, a couple rounds of surgery, and I have one more round to go and I'm on medication to hopefully keep things away and, uh, looking to hit that five-year mark, that magical five-year mark we all, have, <laughs> where we hope it's all out of the system. And I could just kind of put this behind me.
0: Well, your resiliency and, uh, positive focus is certainly remarkable and admirable. However, uh, quite often we find ourselves faced with a what we consider tragic uh, news in a situation. So could you remind us and tell our viewers and listeners a bit more about after you received that diagnosis and where your mind was headed?
1: So right after I was diagnosed, I actually, since it was Christmas Eve, I had plans to go hang out with my family at that for the holiday and it was deciding who to tell and when was one of the big topics that uh, we covered. And it was definitely groundhog's day where it felt like telling people sad news over and over and over again to the uh, point where I was more comfortable telling people on social media and one felt swoop, (laughs) which it turned out to be one of my, at least in my situations, one of my best moves because then I was able to openly tell my story, which has been very much like my telling my narrative. has been very important to me throughout this process.
0: So one of the hardest things to do is relate that particular information to the people that are closest to you,
1: Katie. Yeah, it's one of the worst conversations you will ever have, and I, I gotta admit, the the especially I, with telling my mom, the way she found out uh, was a little harsher than I I had hoped it to be. And she, as um, I was I was trying to keep it a secret until I had a little bit more idea what we were dealing with, because at that point it was like you have cancer and you're like, all right, well, there's like 10 different tests before we can tell you what kind of cancer and what your treatment's going to be. And what's, you know, what are we looking at here? And, um, my mom, I was, I just, I elected to do, I, I froze eggs because I had the option as, um, to do that in this whole process, uh, before I started treatments and I got a call from the fertility clinic to confirm that uh, I was coming in for some testing and, and things beforehand. Cause there's a lot that goes into that too. And she was like, who was that? And Because and, she kind of heard on the phone who it was, and she thought it was one thing, and here it was uh, <laughs> pretty much the exact opposite. Uh, <laughs> so I, I had to tell her, and it was definitely a, a solid kick to her.
0: We often express to folks that a mind of uncertainty can lead to a mind of anxiety, worry, and fear. So we always suggest to people to get a mind of knowledge so after the initial shock of this, uh, and how did you get a mind of knowledge and offer some legitimate, hopeful reassurance to the people close to you?
1: I, um, I kind of, I don't want to be, I don't want to say locked out, but I kind of was in a unique position that my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer a year before. Actually, it was in like 10 months before I was. So I was her caregiver in that particular process. So I kind of had a clue what I was, I was getting myself into, which put me, I feel like at an advantage with things. And this is the second time I was hearing a lot of these things. So it's stuck because a lot of times when you get this information, it just, your brain is a little overwhelmed. It just falls right out of your ears. And what was great about my care team was they knew right off the bat when they first started talking to me that my way of handling this was to be as as knowledgeable as possible on the subject and they would give me here's what we're looking at this is why and i want you know a lot of the why's can you explain this to me and why we're doing this or why we're looking at it this way And they supplied me with such great information that I was able to relay that to those closer to me, you know, my inner circle. And then eventually to folks that started following me on social media to keep an eye on my journey, I was able to explain things to them because of the knowledge that I got from uh, my care team.
0: And how did that relate particularly to you and your dealings with thoughts and feelings, particularly when you were alone?
1: It's, it it was, um, for me with the knowledge I, I, you try to pep talk yourself with it you try to say okay you know what this is this and now this is this and I, I, I know this is going to happen and I'm very much a person who wants to check things off the list and I'm like okay we got to go just go do this and then we just looked at this thing so you're always I'm always looking ahead like what's next what am I going to do what do I need to do here and that helped but then again like being in your own head with this is just it's A lot of, I'm not going to lie, a lot of Googling. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) What does the internet say about this? Like, what are really my odds? So I would go into, like, the conversations with my care team with, like, I saw this. Can you clarify this? And they were great for answering questions like that, too.
0: Okay. So my guess is that there were for some fairly low times followed by some fairly higher times.
1: Yeah. The low times were rough. Like, the low times were, were not... Ideal, especially with COVID going on and not knowing at that point how COVID spread. It was just, it was something that was terrorizing people. And I was definitely immunocompromised going through chemotherapy. And it was like, okay, how, you know, like the process of coming home from a doctor's appointment was like full wiped down. I ran right to the shower and showered off and like made sure that there was, you know, got to make sure nothing is on me and I wasn't leaving the house. And, um, something for me, which is still weird is I have PTSD with springtime smells Uh, because the only time I got out of the house when I was going through chemo is we would go for walks in the evening, um, around, um, the up and, uh, oh gosh, um, by Robinson, we would go around the shops at night uh, and just kind of do walks. And mm -hmm. so like, they were like a park where we were away from everyone. And so the smell of springtime takes me right back to chemo. And it's it stinks because it's like you want to be excited for it, but it's your brain just goes. Peop. Remember how? Remember what it was like to be here?
0: Okay. Well, those are, what you're talking about is a amygdala-based fear, and those amygdala-based fears, your amygdala is can't be reasoned with. <laughs> it's it's not rational. It Doesn't think rational thought. That's what your cortex is for. So the way that you can't cheerlead your way out of that type of that type of fear, Katie.
1: No. no, and, and it's it's so hard because you want to talk. You want to pep talk yourself. You want to be like, yeah, you got this. And at the same time, you're like, oh, do I?
0: <laughs> Those are legitimate questions. Mm-hmm. And the way that an amygdala-based fear can be dealt with is through brief exposure therapy and experience.
1: And it's something that I've been trying to do with a lot of these experiences that were Previously, really fun and exciting and, and happy experiences that were turned into very negative ones. I, I'm trying to slowly reclaim, which is a challenge.
0: <laughs> well, yes, it is, and that that involves a choice and understanding and uh, giving yourself a break and exercising these exposures to tolerance.
1: Yeah, it's 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 amazing, like how you're like, okay, but brain, we got to think this, and brain's like,
0: meh. No, <laughs> that's that's right. So many people out there who have been faced with these traumatic type of experiences uh, still have those lingering what we would call post-traumatic stress reactions. Katie,
1: yeah, I, I could totally see it in in like being. And it's such a trauma to your body that you just don't even realize it. And even coming out of it, you're you just start getting hit with things where you're like, "Well, I didn't even realize that this was going to impact me." Like this, the smell, this taste, this like just sounds and, and it's just like all of these things that you didn't realize that your braided process is like a horrible thing is now like oh wait eh.
0: so how many times with the best of intentions people would come to you and tell you they know how you feel
1: oh it was rough <laughs> it was but it was such a weird situation so i think i was in such a unique situation that it was going through covid times because a lot of us like i didn't want to complain about i was safe at home and and like i wasn't leaving the house and food was being brought to me and I didn't have to worry about things where like my best friend at the time, well, she's still my best friend, but she was at home with working full time with two kids. And I was like, I don't want to complain. I'm, I have it much better than she does. And meanwhile, she's thinking the same thing. So none of us were having any of these conversations because we all felt that the person we were talking to had it worse than we did. So Mm -hmm. we didn't want to complain to each other.
0: (laughs) Well, it's like being at a 12 step meeting we don't talk about the bad times because we all know what
1: those were. Yeah. and You just don't want to talk about it. And you don't want to...
0: So what we want to focus on is a solution. So how long did it take you to get into the mindset of focusing on a solution, Katie? Oh,
1: wow. it's It took... It, it was quick. For, I was surprised how quickly my brain decided to process this as me telling my story. And I started recording things on my phone which made things, I don't want to be like a little bit easier to process, but it did because then I was, I was, it was through a lens. And there was a separation between me and what I was going through because I, I had a lens and I was talking to my my imaginary friend on my phone because of this, you know, especially in the beginning when nobody knew what was going on, I was just talking to my phone about how it was feeling. And um, to me, that was in my brain. Like I, I like to tell stories. It was like, you need to record this.
0: So sometimes I'll ask people if they remember the first time that they ever heard a recorded voice played back to them. What was your first time like?
1: <laughs> I when, sound maybe like when that when you were young. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, how did yeah How how did you feel when you heard your recorded voice played back to you?
1: Okay, so the first time when I was young, I was I get a big kick out of it because we had a we had a video camera when um we we were younger. And my brother and I used to make movies, and we got a big kick out of being on camera. So (laughs) it was like, oh, that's me. And then as I got older, it turned into, that's what I sound like.
0: Yeah. So what we try to help people do, Katie, is get comfortable with the sound of their own voice. People can cheerlead you. I can. Our producer, Mike, our good friend, Mike, certainly can. However, there's nothing like the sound of your own voice speaking to you.
1: I've had a hard time like I really there's there's a lot of videos that I have never gone back to watch yet and at some point I would I need to go back and watch them because um working I I work with a therapist and I I talk with her um, I have appointments weekly to try to process all of this yes and um she's been an amazing help in helping me kind of realize like how much I've gone through and like these victories that I was such a huge thing like I okay my goal you know trying to get to this point where I can do this and now because I feel like things should be quote unquote normal again I don't, I don't realize how far I've come
0: well we call normal the setting on a washing machine yeah. Katie <laughs> so what we try to do is help people get their thoughts out of here and out to here where we can look at them rather than from them so I imagine that sometimes you and other people would begin to believe that the thoughts that they were, the negative thoughts that they were thinking were true.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's really hard, especially like trying to convince yourself that you're doing better than you think you're doing because the expectations of returning to your previous life, they no longer exist. There's, I can never be who I was before.
0: Well, did you ever, I'm sure you did face the reality of the fact that this may have gone sideways.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There were, there were points and um, there were points where I wanted, I wanted to give up that, that I was like, this is why, why am I doing this to myself? Like what's, what's the point of this? And, and especially as you see um, folks who are diagnosed with a similar way, similarly to you, and then their things don't go the same way for them as, as they were going for you. And you're like, this, this is real. This is not some sort of movie TV show where, oh, you know what? We got it. You know, we just, you just do a little bit of chemo, a little bit of surgery, radiation. Oh, your hair grows back. Everything's normal. Yay. And it's not like that at all. And there's always that chance that it's not going to be. And it's terrifying. And it's hard because people want to be like, Oh, you know, you you should live every day to be your best day because it could be gone any moment. And like the pressure that puts on yourself when you're having a crappy day. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes. So how did you not give up Katie?
1: Oh, I just, I tried to, I I was, I surrounded myself with things that were these small goals, like, which I, I played and I've talked about this a lot with my friends. Like the video game animal crossing came out. And on Animal Crossing is that, you know, you, you play, you know, you just, you are this character, you have a village and you do these simple tasks within your village and you think you move up and you get furniture options and this and that. And so each day I'd have to wake up and it's like, okay, I got to make sure, especially in the beginning, like i got to water in my plants. So I have to dig up some flowers. And my niece, uh, who's six now, is she was deeply into Animal Crossing too. So we would be playing with each other when we could and you know we'd facetime and then we're playing and she could come to my island i can go to her island and i knew like she would she had these expectations of me aunt tt has to like do certain things like i gotta get to a certain level so i can get this so my job became to like play this game while she was at school so she could get and <laughs> they there like or whenever she had online classes. So next time we played, I would have this particular dress for her or this particular piece of furniture. So those became like my little goals that definitely helped. So your
0: human connection was very important.
1: Oh, absolutely. It was like without, I I don't, I, I, I say, I think I've said it a million times. It's like if I did not have the support of my family and friends like I had, I don't think I would have made it through because I think I would have just been like. "Wow."
0: There's a Zen concept called the illusion of separateness. And that's what most people. The illusion of separate. That's, that's Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of fishing without bait,